0: Self-help, relationship help, business help, and sometimes just no damn help at all. But we're always here to have fun. They call me the game changer and the real deal. But I'm not a cliche. Just call me Casey. So I love music. I love concerts. That is my favorite form of meditation, to be perfectly honest. I sing a lot to myself. um, And I had this really great idea. I thought, I will start every podcast with a song. And that's what I will basically title my podcast and I'll get my beautiful daughter who has an incredible voice and she's a great songwriter to sing it. But something, you know, happened on the way to the podcast and that's the fact that she's not singing it. (laughs) So she left me with singing on my own and I have to share something with you guys. I'm not a good singer, but anyway, that's how it goes. So as I tell you a little bit about, my journey i think the song that really inspires me here is life is a highway i want to ride it all night long yeah you see singing's not so good but the truth is i love that aspect of the highway because life is a highway and sometimes that highway is beautiful you know when you're on the road sun is shining and your music's blaring and there's no traffic and you're just driving and life is good. And that's where I was. Life was good. And then sometimes what happens is you're driving along and you get stuck in traffic or you get stuck in a snowstorm and things change. All of a sudden your uh, highway trip is no longer a lot of fun and you have to figure out how to detour around to make it somehow work for you. That's really what happened in my life. And that's what um, has basically influenced everything I've done in the last 10 years. So for most of you, you're probably in the same predicament as I was at the time. About, um, I guess, about almost 11 years ago now, depending on when you're listening to this. um, Everything was great, right? I had a pretty great life. There was nothing that was um, holding me back. I had everything that I wanted that was right on my checklist. And how many of you love your list? How many of you like them? Checklists, check sheets. I love what um, I refer to as ticks, tick box euphoria. So what does that mean? Well, it means that when you have all these tick boxes on your list and every time you tick them, you jump up and down, cause you're all excited, woohoo, I finished it. I can, you know, move on for the day because I have made a dent in my schedule and I've ticked a box. That's what I was like. I had tons and tons of tick boxes. I had everything mapped out. Um, I had what I was doing for my business, my life. I knew what I was um, going to do when the kids were certain ages. I knew when I wanted to retire. Everything was fabulous. Tick, 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 tick. Life is good. But then what happens to your list when you get a detour in your life or a detour in your business or, you know, what happens if you get uh, divorced or you get laid off or um, something happens that is unexpected, you lose all your money in an investment. All of a sudden, you have to start from scratch. And that's really where I was because I had a really great life. I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood neighborhood. Um, out of college, I got into sales. I did really well. I, um, I traveled the world in my businesses. I ran, you know, 400 points of of distribution across Asia and Europe. And I was responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars worth of um, sales. Things were good. I got married at 24. I had three kids. I had a regular life. I would say, you know, when people would say, what's going on in your life? And I'd say, well, you know, we kind of have a boring life in terms of nothing, you know, out of the ordinary happens, but it was good. And I had a plan. I was going to retire and um, spend more time with my kids when they were teenagers because I had been working so hard. So we had a cottage up north in Canada. And this weekend was the first weekend that my husband and I went with my four-year-old at the time and um, left the teenagers who were 13 and 17 at home. So this is our first weekend and we were getting the old cottage ready because we were selling it because my husband had his dream finally realized we were closing on a cottage that was on the water. So we were getting it ready and it was a fantastic weekend and great weather. And it was, I just felt great. Everything was calm and perfect. And um, the little guy was napping on the couch when I heard my husband scream. And so I ran up the stairs and he was holding his head And in the next 10 seconds, I watched the whole side of his face just melt. And I helped him to the floor and I remember him saying to me, oh no, not now, not when things were just going so well. Hmm. (laughs) So that's when life throws you a curve. So we waited 45 minutes for an ambulance because we're in the middle of cottage country And we got to the hospital and the doctors said to me, um, he's had a uh, brainstem stroke from a malformation in his brainstem. And um, it's a very challenging thing. Not too many people survive. Get your kids up here. He might not make it until tomorrow. So the kids came up with a friend of ours who was nice enough to get the whole family up there and he made it through the night. But I remember thinking on the bedside as I was sitting there going, uh, I don't know how to be a widow. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to manage the whole family. Uh, my little guy's only four. I don't really understand what's going on. Um, he made it through the night. And, um, and then he was in the hospital for six weeks and those six weeks I never left because I was the advocate and any of the people who understand what it's like to have a severe illness, you know, that you need an advocate in the hospital. So for six weeks, I stayed in the hospital, went through everything you can possibly think of, not knowing if he was going to survive on, you know, feeding tubes and everything else. My um, daughter, 17, had to look after the family. So got the little four-year-old to, to his Montessori school. They, she had to work her, um, she had to her, do her apps for applications in for university. My other one was in high school. So basically I had one going um, going into kindergarten one going to start high school and the other one starting um, university and this was May and they would be starting in September and I was in the hospital not knowing what would happen. So after six weeks an interesting thing happens they send him home. That's it. He's stable. They're like okay you can bring him home. The problem is what do you do with somebody who's severely disabled? You don't know what you're doing, and you have no help, and you bring him home. So we walked through the front door. Not he didn't walk. Um, he couldn't stand. He had no longer had um, balance. Um, he had double vision, 24 hour a day tremors. Um, he needed to be fed, changed, and transferred. So um, we didn't know what to do. I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have a check sheet. I didn't know what to do next. And so the only thing I could think to do was put one step in front of the other. That's the truth. And I remembered this story and um, about um, Oprah. (laughs) So I don't know if you guys know the story, um, I call it, um, the story, uh, when I relate it to me, it's Steven Spielberg never called me. He never called me to help. <laughs> what do I mean? Well, you know, when Oprah was at her lowest, um, and she didn't think she was going to make it, she was, um, the story goes, she was running around this health and wellness facility. I think at the time they called it a fat farm and she fell down to her knees and she, um, you know, looked for God for an answer and said, you know, show me a sign, use me as you need, you see fit, tell me what to do next. And then someone came running out with a phone and she picked up the phone, it was Steven Spielberg, and he offered her a role in the color purple. And I always remembered that story, even though I thought, well, you know, I'm never going to be in her situation. But as I brought my husband home and for the next couple of weeks tried to figure out what to do, so I had to work full-time still, I had to look after him full-time, I had to look after three kids, I had to pay all the bills, and I didn't know what to do. And one day I remembered this Oprah story. So I fell to my knees and I looked up at the sky and said, I don't know the answers, give me a sign. And you know what happened? Nothing, (laughs) nothing happened. My little dog walked by, looked at me like I was crazy and kept walking. No one showed up. Nobody on a white horse. Steven Spielberg never called. Hmm. So there I was facing um, an incredible challenge and not having any clue what to do, where to go, and how I was going to survive and how I was going to pay all the bills. Um, in this newfound life that um, was dropped on me. So I had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. And um, there's a remarkable thing that happens when life throws you a curve. You learn to figure it out because you have no choice. You see, the problem in most people's lives is they have choices. So if you have a job, you might hate it. But, and you say, oh, you hate it, and you want to do something else, and you're not fulfilled. But you know what, you're still getting the bills paid, and life is still okay. And you have choices. And therefore, you sort of kind of, you know, lazily go through life, because you know, you have something to fall back on. And I think that's where um, that's the incredible piece that came out of this, you know, when there is a everyone says, oh, you know, bad things happen in Good comes out of it, yeah, I don't really agree because I don't necessarily wish something like this on anyone and if I could do it all over again and have our lives back, I would prefer it. But did something good come out of it? Well, what good came out of it was the fact that I understood that you could move forward and I learned how to move forward. I learned how to build a roadmap because I had no choice, not because I was remarkably brilliant, not because this lightning bolt of you know, brilliance came down from the sky and anointed me and said, you now have all the answers on how to move forward, no. The reality is I learned because I had no choice. And so what I've done over the course of the last, I guess, 11 or 12 years was I have learned to teach others how to make it through life when um, things throw you a curve, right? when you've been divorced or laid off or, or, um, you know, you, you've gone broke, anything that happens to you and you're like, how the heck can I start all over again? How am I going to make it? Um, I didn't know how I was exhausted. I, um, all I wanted to do was, you know, roll up in the fetal position, but hey, that's not going to help when your little four year old needs feeding and your husband needs to be changed and fed as well this is a story and this is how I got through it and how I got through it on the other side and still managed to create a new business and a semblance of a life. So if that's of interest to you guys and you want to know how you can actually move forward and design your life and your business and your relationships to actually make it through your lowest hours then this is the podcast for you. So join me and I will start you on your path on the road ahead. In our next podcast, we're going to talk about specifically my top 10 things that you need to do or you need to understand so that you can move forward in your newfound life. for tuning in today. Go to com and let me know what you want me to talk about or rant about or anything that's on your mind and I will be sure to get to it. So don't forget to subscribe and I'll talk to you soon.